Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Purple Noon, a podcast. I am Stephanie Conti, and I am here with... Can I say that you are the number one fan of this movie, or is that a little too far? I prefer... Like, I think you say you're a Last Hangover in Paris historian. I say I'm a Lolita historian. Historian slash aficionado is, is yes. the term. Because if I say I'm the yes. number one fan, I'd, it's, it's a... It's a seedy <laughs> title that I'm not the biggest fan of. Yeah, but yeah. I am so excited to talk about this with you because, and I mentioned it in the last episode, this is your last tango in Paris. And then for someone, for some reason, you are listening to this for the first time. I have an obsession with a film called Last Tango in Paris to a point where I went on a podcast and I talked about it for an hour and it was like a three hour <laughs> podcast where I wasn't the only guest. So I, I know what it's like to have that one film. It's a, f- a good film, but a controversial film that you're just like, wait, hear me out. Like, hear me out. Like, don't, don't, don't throw me on the coal just yet. Hear me out. <laughs> and this is, I would say like your version of, of last tango, right? Oh, it is. This is an important story, and I'm here to defend it. And you know what, Savannah? I, I want to hear your stuff first, but the one thing I'm going to say is I am so happy that I'm watching this film because, it, it you know, I've always felt not – I'm not going to say different. I've always felt a little bit on the outskirts with my love affair with Last Tango, but I can humbly say that your addiction with this film – is on the same level as my addiction. And now that I've actually seen the movie, it's like a breath of fresh air where it's like, okay, same mental illness, just a different <laughs> movie. And I'm not alone. I'm not alone in the factor of it. I so I, will. I appreciate you letting me into your world of, of Lolita. And I guess the first thing to talk about is tell me how you, like the story of how you found Lolita which one you watched first? Did you read the book? That type of stuff. Give me your whole POV on it. Oh, I'm here to just, I'm here to def- not even defend this story because I feel like defend means that like Speak it's very difficult. Truth. But I saw the, so for, for everybody that doesn't know, Lolita, the 1997 version is free on YouTube to watch. I don't know how I came upon the movie. I think I read an article in high school about how the book got banned. I don't know. We were talking about book banning in high school, whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh, like we were talking about this book in high school, watch the movie. Crazy. And I was like, hmm, hmm, you know? And then I decided, okay, well, like the book can't be that much worse. The book was worse. But however, I do feel like, and this is the journey I've been taking for about, let's see, eight years now, because I'm 26, eight years now. There is a very important story behind the story itself. This film, this story could be utilized for good. We need, I I don't even want to get into it fully, but I feel like this story is important when we look at it beyond the whole, like, yes, it's creepy. Yes, it's about predators, but it's important because it's the first story I think ever in film history to talk about how the predator is a wolf in sheep's clothing, how the smart, 
you know, career man, smooth, educated, British. I think he's British in the movie. <laughs> I, I ever forget the accent. Can be the worst person and quite literally the craziest, most evil person you've ever met in your life. And although I think the film, both films could have done a better job, I think there's a way to make this work to where it's not, you know, again, we'll get into it more, but th this is such an important movie and it could be used for good. And I'm tired. I'm tired of everybody bashing on it because we can fix it. That's what I got to say. And I'm so okay. excited. And to get just it. to make sure we are on the same exact page, we are going yes. to be highlighting the 1962 version, correct? Oh yeah. I've seen both versions. I'm ready to dive okay. in. So I only watched the 1962 version. I did not see the newer one with um, Jeremy Irons, which I believe you said was like 1997 or something like that. Yes. So this was my first time watching it. Now, you said you watched the Jeremy Irons one first? Yes. Okay. How did you stumble upon, like, wh what made you want to go into the Stanley Kubrick version? Because I, like I said, I, I do feel like, if this story was told right, it could be used for good. It could be a, a very important story. And I was interested to see how somebody else took Lolita. Um, and just to be clear, they're very different films. They are, have very different that is approaches. That what I've heard. Yes. Very different approaches to Humpert, very different approaches to Lolita. So I was very interested. And I. Th this is definitely just so you know, this is the easier film to watch. This I had a the, feeling because yes. I, I myself was trying to, I was looking up like, cause I do remember that one was more controversial over the other. And when yeah. I saw that this one had higher appraise, um, the 1962 version, I figured it might've been the nineties one. And then I went to the parental guide and that's where I realized, ah, I see which one is the more, um, R-rated version of Lolita. Now, when comparing the two, um, is there a preference that you have one or the other? Or do you think that it, they're like too different to compare? You know, like it's almost like they have their own strengths and weaknesses. Like how do you feel about when you compare the, the first and the second one? So I think there's different things I like about each movie. Um, I think I like Jeremy Irons' Humpert better. Um, and I do like Lolita, the 1997 version, better. However, I do think... So uh, Kubrick takes a little bit more of a dark humor and the subtlety of what was going on very seriously. Um, mm -hmm. He kind of turns everything on its head where I think Adrian Loy and Adrian Lin... He is the king of abusive and dysfunctional relationships. That's his bread and butter in movies. Mm -hmm. He kind of saw Lolita and Humpert as like a couple, which I very much disagree with. I very much disagree that it's on even playing fields, which I think this movie dabbles in. However, I think... Kubrick saw the ridiculousness in all of this and decided, okay, like I'm going to hone in on how ridiculous everybody in this movie is, all the adults in this movie. Um, there are different characters I like a little bit more. I The tone is very different. So uh, there are things I like more or less. However, I will probably always prefer this movie a little bit more because it's 
easier to watch and less graphic. That's the one thing I don't like about the 1997 version. And I think one day we'll talk about that one is they went down a very graphic road, which I don't condone at all. I don't approve of that. I think there was a way to do it where it's not like that. But um, I slightly prefer this movie more because of that. Yeah. And because of the nature of Lolita, like the plot is literally a college professor becoming infatuated with a very, very young girl, like 14. And I believe in the book, it's even younger. I was reading that it's like a 12 year old girl in the book, but it's a 14, 15 year old girl in the movies. And so even though like, you know, sex in a movie doesn't always have to be graphics and stuff, any type of, I think, nature involving someone sleeping with a minor, it's always going to be a hard watch. Like if you got a good head on your shoulders, it's always going to be a hard watch. So I can totally see why, you know, having a preference over this movie versus um, the 1990s version, because of the fact that it's not just like sex scenes already can be uncomfortable, but the context behind it is, is pretty damning and it's even worse. So I, even without watching the newer version, I totally understand. And I myself, I don't know how I feel about watching the newer version. I might. I'm not directly like opposed to it. Oh, let, let me also preface this by saying you don't it, – it's more graphic in the sense that like we don't see I, – I don't know how to explain it. But like it's not like very – like it's not – I don't know how to – I don't want to use certain words on here. But like – it's harder to watch because it's more realistic and they take certain liberties, but it's not like we're going to see anything like, oh my gosh, like we're seeing everything on screen. Does that make sense? I just don't oh, want to okay, mischaracterize the, the parental film. guide that I had read said yeah. that there was a, like, uh, I, I, it didn't explain how graphic it was, but it did say that in the newer one, there was a sex scene where a body double was used in place of the child character. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100% and it's uncomfortable and I don't like watching it, but you don't see okay, the, so the, the shoot, the, the way it's shot is it's just a lot of up close like shots of faces and like different things going yeah. on, but it's not but like they the actual never expose in either or film the young actress playing. No, that's why I'm saying I don't want to miscategorize the films. It's just more graphic in nature because they took certain liberties with the script. And they decided to go in a little bit more deeper. They decided to portray it on film. But it's not graphing in the sense of that you are going to see um, anything physical. It's not porn. That it sense? doesn't turn into like a full porno where you see It's everything. not a soft, no, 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 nothing near that. But it, it's still uncomfortable because of the content. It's still uncomfortable. It's still controversial because why did they need to do that? You know, things like that. And again, I'm yeah. not necessarily a big fan of them doing that. I don't condone that specific part. But um just so we're like on the same page with that yeah yeah i i I totally get it and so you have also read the book so you read the book after you watched the 1990s version of the film right i didn't read all of it but uh because i will be i will be very honest the book is probably one of the most disturbing things i've read i didn't get through the whole thing um the author goes into a lot of detail about humbert about his mental state and goes into very extreme detail. It gets quite disturbing about like the desires and everything. Um, but the, the reason I think the book is important and should be, I guess, because I think this 
movie should be turned into, my desire would be turned into a short series based on both Lolita and Humpert's perspective um, and be a little bit more about Lolita and, you know, her being a victim and, and turning it more into a story about like, hey, here's how we avoid predators. Like predators can come in every shape and size. I think it could be a great, um, rather than it be exploitive, I think it could be a great preventative nature, right? And yeah, I think, like, a, like a tasteful warning rather than an exploitive piece. Yeah. And although I don't think the 1962 version is like extremely exploitive, it, you know, it still leaves a lot of, and we'll get into it. The book is important for a few reasons because it really shows the audience how disturbed Humper is, right? It really shows him that he's manic, that he is unreliable and sick. And we really understand how wrong and evil his fascination was, right? There's no like, well, you know, there is no, this guy is straight evil. And I think yeah. that's where the films like kind of not get it 100% right. Um, yeah. Also, just a fun fact, the book also talks about what was going on before Lolita, what he was doing before Lolita, which I think is very, very important because it solidifies him as a predator. Oh, so it was not, Lolita was not a one-time occurrence in, in terms of like, there were probably other girls in the past and things like that. Yeah, he, he, apparently in the book, he would specifically target women that looked younger, like very, very young. Mm. And, um, and essentially and his fast, it, yeah. Oh, Sorry. I was going to say, I'm guessing you get to see like a really, like a more in-depth and uncomfortable snapshot as to maybe why he preferred younger girls and all things like that. I'm, I'm assuming that's how it gets uncomfortable and probably the fantasies that he has, correct? So just to give you context, the reason why he gets fascinated with Holita, gets on this really crazy, insane thing with her is because she looks like his 12-year-old girlfriend when he was 12 that died. Oh, and okay. essentially the author says that's that kind of took him down a mental psychotic like break that he never like he was just never aged out of that right um and again i think it's important when we look at his previous time and this is just to give everybody context it's important because it's not i think when we talk about lolita that's why it's not a love story it's not at all. And I, I don't like that it's sometimes categorized in the media as like, oh my gosh, older men. No, a pedophile. And I yeah. think when we look at his backstory and how he was being a predator to many other people, that solidifies itself that, oh no, he just loved Lolina. No, he, no, he didn't. He was crazy yeah. and he was doing and, this before. And, and this is an oops. I made a, uh, I made a oopsies once. No. No, it was, this no. is a... So I like to talk about the book a little bit because I think in pop culture, this movie, this these characters have gotten very blurred. I think um, I love Lana, but that song's problematic, you know? <laughs> like, oh, um, yeah. I mean, I'm still shouting it from the rooftop, you know? It's a hype song. Hey. No, it's 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 catchy, but yeah. again, I think the Tumblr girls, the the song, I think it miscategorized the movie, um, and the movie, you know, some of the, some of the things in the movies don't also do a good job at solidifying those lines. So when I say I like this movie, when I like the story, I like the potential and I like the bones of everything. I just think it could be a really good, you know, 
a really good conversation about predators and young girls and and how young girls need to be protected and all this stuff. I, I really think it could really work as a preventative measure in film. Well, I just think it's, it, you know, as I'm hearing you talk about it and stuff, I'm thinking, you know, as much as, as we're like, oh, like, uh, Savannah likes this and I like this, you and I are really just the same person. Because why are both besties. our... Why are both our special special interest films about young women being like preyed on by older men who are somewhat charming at some point, but who are freaky and need help? Why do why do we, we want to save the girls? We do this for the girls. We want to save them. But That's you know, why. Now, now that I'm reflecting about it, like there definitely is a Lolita influence in something like Last Tango in Paris without there our doubt. Is. I'm telling you, there is this phenomenon culture about a young girl meeting an older man and him changing her life. And obviously, like, that's not what happened here. This poor girl was a victim and what happened to her was disgusting. But, like, there is this central idea, like, oh, younger girl. And, like, there's even, like, again, Lana, Lana Del Rey, my yeah. girl, love her. But... She is part of that Tumblr, like, oh my gosh, I need an old man to come into my life. And do oh, and I stuff. can fully, completely say that, like, in high school, I, I, I easily would have been someone like Lolita, and I have, like, for I've always had an interest in older guys. There was that fascination, and you know, like, certain times at when you're growing up, you're told by people like you need to be with someone older because, you know, younger guys are not immature. And then you kind of get told like a lot of warning signs. At least I was. And I, I, I've had near Lolita moments in my life growing up. So in terms of it being realistic on the other side too, like it's something that can happen. Like I remember being 19 messaging like 35 year olds, you know, and that's, even though that would have been legal, still like now I look back at it as a 25 year old and I'm like yeah yeah what were you thinking (laughs) what were you thinking and um it's something that you don't realize until as you get older and as you age or if you're lucky and I totally see what you mean by having the importance of media like this still be available maybe if I had seen Lolita when I was younger I would have been able to kind of get that information but rather than learning from it as I aged it like from my own experiences I know I I agree and I think I think that people always complain oh times are different but like I think the best thing about the time we're living in is we have more awareness to young girls talking to older men we have more awareness about like you know women's rights and all this stuff and I think that's what I see in Lolita I think if if this were to be remade again, which I I kind of have my doubts if anybody would want to take this on, but yeah. if this would be remade again, we can kind of iron out some of the problems I see with the movie and make this for what it is. We can we can talk about how he wasn't actually he was a incredibly psychologically disturbed person that was a well dressed and educated monster in disguise, and Lolita couldn't and didn't know the extent of what was gone going on in Humphrey's mind, right? And at the yeah. end of the day, this is her stepdad. Yeah. Right? This is someone like, who has this isn't, you know, you know, the neighbor who she sees once in a blue moon. This is the person she literally lives with. Yeah. And I think if we can get better narration in this movie, like 
just talk about like a firm display of a mix of power and abuse and lust and his mental anguish. I think if we get the narration just right. It would be a wrap. I'm telling you, somebody needs to do this again. Someone needs to, we'll get into this movie. I know we it's keep talking around it. Very difficult to, because you need to not only, because there's always with remakes and, and reboots and things like that, there's always this element of like, you have to do an entirely new take on it when you actually don't. Um, I feel like this, the Lolita is something that if, 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 if it were to be remade in the wrong hands, it would backfire immensely. And especially if it's something that became incredibly popular and, you know, um, romanced about, it could like 100% backfire like uh, uh, immediately. So it, it really needs to be dealt with by um, really, really someone who wants to um, spread that message about it. The intro of this movie is actually my favorite because it opens with Quilty, who is my Probably my favorite character in the whole film history thing. Um, I like Quilty because he's just a parallel to Humpert. Except Quilty is just a little bit more self-aware about it than Humper. Humper really believes he's not a predator where Quilty's like, yeah. I'm a predator. And he's a little bit more unrefined and kind of follows like standard creepy patterns like people that we would yes. just assume is a creep based off their dialogue based of how they carry conversations which i was not expecting peter sellers to be in this film i literally watched it and i was like am i wa-? like when i saw everything happen in the beginning i'm like where's the girl am i watching the wrong <laughs> movie but it really was and i was watching this movie with zach and he said that he thoroughly thought that the the intro to it was fantastic that it was such a a great introduction to um, a, a character and a character I had never heard of before. You know, you think Lolita, you think man who likes Lolita and Lolita. You don't think of all these other characters that are involved in this story. Oh no. I Quilty is such an interesting character. I think, um, like you said, this is like the textbook pedophile, right? Because yeah. there's already a connection between Quilty and Lolita's mom, right? They're, you know, mm-hmm. they're in the book association. He meets her and then the blah, blah, blah. He plays a bigger part in this movie, which I think makes sense because he overall is just like this menacing presence around, right? He's always around. Um, I really like that. I think they're in Quilty. My favorite scene is in the hotel because he reveals the nature of both men, right? He makes several comments about little girls and he asks questions. He doesn't seem to, you know, believe also what Humpert is saying, right? It's almost like he can see through Humpert. And throughout the whole movie, you already know that Quilty knows Humpert, which I think is brilliant because like I said, they're one in the same. Just one is self-aware about it and the other one is completely Delulu about his situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do really like Quilty. I love the opening sequence. I think it's a perfect introduction as well. Um, who was your, I guess, the character that you enjoyed watching the most? I know that's a weird thing to say, but you know, like who who did you feel drawn the most in this movie? Um, no, I mean, it, it's really hard. It's because everyone carries such a unique role. And when I say everyone, I'm talking about um, in yeah. 1962, uh, we're looking at James Mason, Mason Shelley Winters, Peter Sellers, 
um, and Sue Lyon. Those are your four heavy hitters. You have Sue Lyon, who plays Lolita, James Mason, who plays Humper. You have Shelly Winters, who plays Lolita's mother, um, and you have Peter Sellers. And I feel like these were such very, very, it's a two and a half hour film and it's a long film. And we were talking about that before that we didn't realize how long this film was, but for a long film like this, it has wickedly developed details about each character and makes them so unique on their own. Like I, I do like, um, the James Mason's, um, Humpert's character and, I'm not going to say descent into madness, but because I don't think he ever descended. I think he he just reveals. Um, And, you know, it's, it's funny because this movie does a really good job at making you believe in the beginning that maybe Humbert's not going to do anything. It's the way that he carries himself and he's so poised and so proper and everything that maybe you think, maybe, maybe, such a bad guy maybe he's got some bad thoughts but maybe he's not going to act on them and i was having this conversation with zach while talking about it and you know like i think we were just talking about like how could someone like do something like that like you know like it you know in terms of like find someone of that age attractive and i said i was like really i believe boils down to narcissism it's not about you know like it it's oh yeah and to find a much younger woman, even a child, perhaps uh, attractive, it is when you have narcissism that enables you, and literally enables you to enact on those, you know, impulses and everything. Not saying you should be having those thoughts in the first place, but it's it, it, it takes like I, I'm sure that there's more people in the world that who who would never ever ever admit to such things that they may have found someone underage attractive, but it's it's the narcissist who always act on it because in some way shape or form they are going to tell themselves that it is what they deserve. And I after I said that there was an awesome it's not awesome by any means, but I was just happy no, no, that yeah. what I said reflective because there's a point where Humpert says it's it's you know this is great for my narcissism or uh, some dialogue akin to that essentially admitting like what an ego boost this all is for him especially after um lolita's confession and the letter to him and everything which i was just like boom on the money dude thinks he deserves it and now he's going to do everything in his um power to to get it and no that's a great takes a while for um the uh Humper and Lolita's mom to get together. It takes a lot longer than I thought to a point where I literally looked at Zach and I said, if he wanted to be efficient, he would just marry the mom. And then boom. Yeah. Look at you. Oh, creep, creeper brain, creep, creeper brain activated. Um, but I was like, um, oh, that, that would, in terms of like narcissistic how do i get everything that i want how do i cover it up and things like that that would make the most sense for him to do and then he started doing it and i was like holy crap like it's it's happening like this is he is in narcisso mode like he's going to do this and he thinks that it's what he deserves um peter sellers once again fabulous role of stereotypic creep and i'm going to say this and i don't care if this rocks the boat Peter Sellers was Woody Allen before Woody Allen. 
Let's be utterly clear about that. That was pre-Woody Allen. That is Woody <laughs> Allen for sure. The way he acts, the way he looks throughout that entire film. I was oh, like, yeah, this is- dude invented Woody Allen in this role. A hundred percent. This is where Woody Allen got his personality. So <laughs> really, you would watch um, Lolita and said, "Let me copy paste everything, especially with his stepdaughter." Holy crap! Um, which, ooh, dude, oh, that is true. That is so true because he's married to his technical adopted stepdaughter, which is disgusting. Literally, what a Lolita humper, behavior. What a, of them. what a humper! Disgusting. Um, no, I, mean, I think she carries her own too in this. But continue. Uh, no, I um, I think you me- you mentioned the mom really quick. I liked what they did with the mom a lot because it her character made me believe that okay, this is how he got in. Because for a while, even in the second movie, I was like, who in the right mind would let a strange English man into their house when they had a twelve year? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the fact that they made her very open minded and sociable, right? It kind of made me realize I'm like oh that is the type of person that would let a strange man into her house um she also I I really liked the the kind of the storyline of her grieving her husband too and how he kind of met both of these women when they were in a vulnerable vulnerable spot which is very unique to this movie and I liked it because again it made it made sense it made the situation made sense um, but the relationship between her and her daughter, she was pretty harsh on Lolita, in my opinion, calling her a brat and not having patience for her. Um, although like, yeah, she seems like a regular, you know, like, okay, she's 13, you know, she's going to act up a little bit. It yeah. made sense the way their household, their dynamic, Mrs. Hayes, it made sense why he was able to come in, why he was able to like swoop in marry her because he met them during a vulnerable time so i thought that was a very smart um way to sort of like develop her character while also making the storyline make sense good on kubrick for that because again that was something for me where i was like why are they letting this man into their house that's really not that's it, it, it is usually when, um, like statistically speaking, when you look at underage grooming or underage sex abuse, it's usually someone close, whether it's literally someone living in the place that the child is living at or um, it is um, a family member that is allowed in the home and stuff. Like, uh, And I, I think they portrayed that, that dangerous opus, openness that the mother had um, to a T. Because, you know, like as an outsider looking at this, you may go, she's crazy. She's crazy. But she is so this mother is so focused on herself and so focused on getting a hot man to a point where when he shows any significant interest in Lolita, even before (laughs) it publicly became creepy, um, she got immediately jealous. Like Lolita in the beginning was her beloved daughter. And towards the end of the film, she was like, ah, I'll send her off to boarding school who needs the twerp. Like it was, it was very like a a disdain because she could not stand the fact that, you know, uh, Humpert would mention her and would be like, Hey, when is she coming back? When is this? And probably asking a lot about her. Um, and it, I thought she was a great character. I also thought it was pretty crazy that I think at one point in the film, someone was like, I, I'm pretty sure it was an innuendo that they swing 
because yeah. they were swingers. I, I, Everybody in that group was swingers. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, Jesus Christ! Like, it, like they were like, oh, where me and my husband are open, you know? We're just saying. And it's like, what do you what? This dude is like at a at a prom at like a, a young a like or like a dance or like a jubilee of sorts, and you know they're like, oh yeah, and, the, and like right in front of like all the kids and stuff like that. And it's like, but wow, I think that's okay. a great segue on why maybe Lolita sort of fell into this situation, right? She like that's a perfect sort of parallel because like the adults in her life were doing stuff like create like you know adventurous weird things right and yeah. she was already in that situation i really love that kubrick put things in like that because i've never gotten the sense from this movie and you can tell me if you feel the same that he was he was careful not to put the blame on lolita and there's a few yes. reasons why i think that because there's a scene in the movie where she's clearly very interested in the boy she's dating right and she seems very almost not super aware of Humpert's affection, like believing they have a friendship or even like just a school girl crush to get even with her mom, right? I yeah. think Lolita was more portrayed as this kind of unassuming teenage girl that's trying to get even with her mom. And I think he was very careful to make sure that she wasn't like the character wasn't aware of the danger she was in, which I appreciated because I can't say the same for the sequel. Um, I think he was very careful to do that. What do you think? No, I totally agree. I also think that um, it was such a unique, um, and I think it it, it kind of had to be in a way. You had to make Lolita interested, not because it made 100% of sense, but because if she was completely against Humper, it would have been a horrible thing to watch. It would have been an uncomfortable watch. Whereas this, you're like, where is this going? What's happening? Like, you're more perplexed by anything rather than if she was like, no, get away from me. You're a creep. Get away from me. It would have been a much more intenser, darker story. Not to say that this isn't dark whatsoever, but I feel like that was a really smart move on his part. And I totally agree. It really doesn't put a lot of blame on her because we really see a great job of um, Humpert's character and this very refined British persona that he's <laughs> made for himself start to break down. Um, I think the most notable scene is where we see this breakdown is after the wife dies. Um, yeah. And, and even the events right before it, where as she finds, which I was also really so shocked that the mother was actually going to have a moment where she sees and that's the crazy th and that also once again highlights the 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 uh, self-absorb like the self-absorbishness of um yeah because she's yeah. reading about this old goober fantasizing about her 14 year old daughter and she's like oh, you called me fat on page four yeah it's like <laughs> You're not going to focus that this man is obsessed with your 14-year-old. You're like, oh, my God, you called me a cow. I can't live with this. And, and it's, it, once again, just revealing the dysfunction. And I think the way that Lolita is acting, she had no adults in her family. Father dead. No. Her mother is so self-absorbed. And she had to focus on herself. And when you were that young, 
what do you think is a way, a surefire way when you are a young woman to get protection you need in life, to get some finances and everything like that? What are you told? Marry old and marry rich. And so here is a distinguished English gentleman in her in her house who's been showing her attention. Of course, she's going to send him a little letter being like, I think you're really cute and I can't wait till I come back from summer camp. XOXO. Like, of course, of course he's going to get that. But that's literally like what it is. It's a little girl's idea, right? It's it's like, oh, mom's being mean to me. Let me go try to like flirt with her boyfriend. That's literally what she thought. Like, okay, like, yeah, I'm going to go flirt with her boyfriend because it's fun, right? And I think he did a really good job at portraying that innocence. Yeah. Of like, and oh, she, she was just trying to get attention. Really, and She never loved Humper. Like, let's be no. like, that's not love. She loved the attention. She loved feeling special. She loved feeling unique. And I know many people will be like, well, no, at some point she loved her. No, she did not. As someone no. who is very, very close in the situation and almost had a Lolita moment myself, I can very well say I was not in love with the person. I was not, I was in love with the attention. I was in love that I felt special. And I was in love with the fact that I felt grown. And when you want to be a grown up and you want your own independence and you're not at that age yet where you can be free and make your own decisions, there is nothing more validating than someone you like telling you, I look at you like an adult. I look at you like a grown person. Because in the end, even though like what he fetishized Humper about Lolita was all her, 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 her growing up and like her, her, um, pubescent, like, you know, going through pubescence and everything like that. But her, um, but he always still at the end of the day, try to view her as an adult when she was never, that's always what they try to do. They try to oh, reason. Yeah, they, they, that's why he was trying to justify it. That's how yeah. he was trying to justify it. Like, Oh no, she's, she's older than her mind. And I think you make a good point about like, she never, I think that's where this, social media and like people tumblr have taken this movie of like oh but it's a love story it's not a love story um this is a little girl that liked the attention she just lost her dad her mom's a looney tune um and was just and and i think in many ways too you can make argument that she was maybe looking for her mom's attention in some way there's a lot of way you can take this but the truth is like this was in no way her i guess like consenting to what was going to happen you know what i'm saying and and you see that when humpert takes her to a different school and she starts having attraction to other people it's she just it's the attention thing and i'm not once again like as i'm saying like the attention thing not labeling her as like an attention horror or anything no 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 she's a girl from a broken home like even though she probably lived in a nicer house and had all this stuff she had no support system whatsoever throughout life and through some of the most important years of her life and you just get an essence of that because then i was like oh yeah i'll just send her here instead of dealing with her and even when like Lolita's not even acting bad. She's like, oh, I can't stand that girl. Like, as if it's the end of the world. So. And it's crazy, too, because he took her mother away. Like, he's the, she, he's technically the reason she's dead, right? Yeah. And now she literally has nothing. No, like, the response to the trauma is to cling to him because there's nobody else in the world she has. Um, 
there's one scene, my favorite scene in the movie, because it's so brilliant, not because I, I like to watch it, but my favorite scene that Kubrick put into the movie was the scene where he's painting Lolita's toenails. Yeah. Um, the reason I think that's very interesting, and I think it's a really good, subtle way to put intimacy into this movie, was because essentially during the time he's painting her nails, he's also like putting, like controlling barriers in her life. Yeah. Um, and I think this is supposed to represent that Humpert like really believes Lolita's in power, right? Oh, I'm painting her nails. She's the one in charge, right? Yeah. But the truth is he's controlling everything at the same time. He's the one pulling the strings. He's the one putting her foot down and painting it and telling her the rules, right? And I think it's this really interesting scene about how he sees things in her mind and how we are seeing it in real time. Yeah. Awesome. Also on Kubrick's part. And that is is a little bit explored in Last Tango in Paris, but in a yeah. more graphic scene where Marlon Brando bathes Jean, and we yeah. see, like it's a very it, it's to, to to really convey a level of intimacy that in reality shouldn't happen, but it is happening. Like even like it, it's it's one of those things where even if I consider like. I would ask myself, would I ever let my dad paint my toenails? Absolutely not. I'm kicking him in the face. Like, (laughs) no. And he would never. And so it's just, it's a sense of intimacy that's just a little too much. It it teeters on the element of like, how do I show that not only the controlling elements, but they have gone close enough. Like they have gone yeah, to the extent that they, they they've they've been there, you know. Like bestie, I wouldn't even let you paint my friggin' toes, okay? It's like, such an intimate. Happening. You don't think about it, but it it is such an intimate thing, right? Like painting nails, brushing hair, unless they're ki- little little kids, obviously. Well, I'm and not. maybe fingernails, I feel like are a little bit different, but it's yeah. t- because I, there is obviously we all know there's niche fetishes in the world involving toes and tootsies Yuck. and whatnot, and. Yeah. Yeah. You all are thick. No, yeah. like I mean, if that's your shtick, I mean it's better than liking kids. So, <laughs> peace, say la vie. Um, but it's it's one of the, it's just so intimate, you know. Like, and it's kind of you know people have like feet insecurities and stuff like that, and um, but also people have like the fetish. And even at the end of painting her little toes, um, he goes, "Oh, don't like don't ruin this don't ruin this and you can then immediately know oh he ain't doing favors he's he's literally dressing up his doll he's no, painting the yeah. nails he's doing everything and, and fitting her to the image that he wants um which is once again i i think also conveyed to movies like lasting in paris with and i i feel like it's funny because you have just a toe painting scene versus marlon brando literally bathing this girl nude like no it's like real, it's, scrub dub dub like nurse in the loofah type of action there and no it's, it's still, very graphic that's a very like it's not supposed to be graphic but because he's actually doing it it's graphic he's actually bathing her straight up that's yeah. what i'm like whoa like it is they had to do this on set you know getting, <laughs> he's getting in the crevices yeah um but it, it's even those two scenes as different graphic they are still can con- like they um confer that same level of intimacy where it's the guy is in and it's going to take a lot for him to get out and i think that's what you know he didn't have to show susan lyon nude in order to convey such level intimacy and i really commend him for 
that because I don't think and people realize the ramification of showing off young women at the time, even 18 or 19, even if they're of age, showing them nude and exposed like that has ramifications on their entire life because, you know, they're, they're thinking in the moment that they're comfortable, but 10 years later down the road, they're looking at this video of them and going, Oh my God, why did I ever do this? Um, so I, I think I commend him for showing this graphic intimacy between them, but without ever getting graphic. I feel like it's such a difficult balance to do. And one of the best things that I think two ways that he also convict, uh, like, like he sold the obsession with Lolita when he was kissing the mother, but staring at the portrait of Lolita behind her. Insane, yeah. insane, insane, insane. Yuck. Yeah. But, um, yes. With also the fact too, I also realized she would have been looking directly at the portrait of her husband as well, which is also insane. No, they insane. met their men. Yeah, no, they were not. I mean, he obviously was on a different level of like manic evil, but she was not well also. So yeah, um, I think Kubrick also pulls off a level of like comedy in this movie that I think only he can do. There are certain parts of this movie that are funny, which I never thought I would say about a story like this. But I mean, when they go to the hotel together and there's a state police convention, I laughed because it's funny. Oh, when yeah. He's talking to her schoolmaster and he's, you know, Humper is talking to Lolita schoolmaster and the schoolmaster's like, yeah, you need it. You know, she needs freedom you know, free her from the repression and everything like that. It's a bleak situation, but it's it, like, you, you can't help but laugh. And I think that's what he was, he was trying to point out the ridiculousness of the story. Well, now, and also not realizing, you know, Peter Seller grows a mustache and all of a sudden this guy acts like as if he's never seen this man before in his life. <laughs> yeah. You know, now is a German named Zempf or whatever. <laughs> No, literally, like, there are certain things that now, again, I don't know if this were to be remade that I would want, but I, I, it, you'd have to be a little bit more careful with this, but because of the nature of the film, I think it worked. I think it worked. Um, so, again, I think Kubrick pulled off something that was very unique to a very, very intense story. Yeah, and I, I feel like... In, in, there's obviously many different types of creeps out there, but I feel like the, the biggest two stereotypes are nailed in terms of what benefits that they have and then how it descends into. So your first stereotype is the suave, older, refiner gentleman who just can't seem to find a woman. And, <laughs> you know, that is Humpert's characters, obviously, who descends into the egomaniac, the I deserve it, I deserve it, and this is what I made for, you know, once again, egomaniac. Um, there's usually that descent. And then there's also the funny, weird guy who made me laugh a few times, now all of a sudden being a voyeuristic creep and owning it to a degree not necessarily going the whole i deserve it route but like going like the ah you know it is what it is ah, i'm just that guy like all that type of stuff like i feel like those are pretty two like categories of creepers that i feel like have been stereotyped it was nice to see the stereotype kind of um go in and out of each other as we saw the development of humpert's character and as we saw the development of peter sellers character 
And I think when we talk about the book and the movie, this was at a time where nobody was talking about predators. It was yeah. not mentioned. It was not worldwide, especially in more wealthier or like academically academic professional circles. And that's what they were. This, th- these were well-off people that were academics, playwrights, professors, right? Especially not in that world. So this was even a bigger like controversy because of the fact that they were like, hey, like the people that you think are safe are probably not, especially yeah. like, and that nobody was definitely talking about like stepdads and anything like that. So that's a big reason on why this movie was controversial too, was because nobody, now we have Stranger Danger. Now, you know, there's so many stories and so many things that are like there to protect young women from, you know, all this stuff. But back then there wasn't. So this was controversial just for being mentioned itself, let alone making a whole story and a movie and stuff. So I think that's what people need to sort of, when watching this movie, look at the context of like, oh, wow, like back then, Nobody was saying nothing about any yeah. of this stuff. And it was happening in in Hollywood's neck of the woods, you know, of at course. the time. So I think one prominent figure at the time, and I just looked it up, and it's funny because an article was made about it three hours ago and where it says Jerry Lee Lewis, his former teen bride, opens up about their marriage when she was just 13 and he was 22 years old. Dude, I think they were cousins. They were also on top of cousins, that. yes. But oh my he gosh, 13, that's a baby. He took her across state lines to get married in a <sighs> secret ceremony. And so this this was literally happening at, you know, around the time of Lolita. So it, it's at least refreshing in a way to know that there were people with a good like that this wasn't always an excused behavior no no people would look at you sideways it was easier to get you know like into like it it was easier to get away with this type of stuff back then because some people weren't as critical to a point as they are today about it um which i think is to a benefit that they're more critical about it today than back then because we're learning from these lessons because we're hearing from the people who are in this environment like this letter does not like this about the 13 year old who married jerry lee lewis this letter that I'm reading right now does not talk about how it was an easy life for her. She said it was hell because he was abusive, because he was narcissistic. He was all that type, the, the, the freaking stereotype, you know? So the one thing I think is, I think about this film and I really want to know more is with someone like Peter Sellers and the actor who plays um, Humper, I really am just interested in, in knowing why the role appealed to them because it is a tough role to be in and it is a bit of a role where you're sticking your neck out um when picking up something like this yes and so i'm i wonder and i'm wondering if maybe you know if you've looked up as to why both those actors wanted to be in a movie like this well i know i i don't know about Peter, I don't know about the actor that played Humpert in this movie, but I know Jeremy Irons, I believe it was he wanted to work with the director and that's what really um, convinced him, Andrew Lloyds. But I also know that Humpert is probably one of the most 
difficult and complex characters in literature because of how manic he is, right? You have to play him suave. You have to play him trying to convince himself. And then you have to play him manic and evil when he's having these crazy thoughts. Because in the book, he has a lot of horrific statements that he makes to himself about Lily. Like he has a lot of disturbing content. And then he switches to like, I hate myself. This is disgusting. I know how like it is a very up, down, sideways back and forth. So I think as an actor, this is sort of a, it's, you're sticking your neck out by playing this role a hundred percent, because for some people, when you do something like this, there's no going back, right? Like people just see you in that light. But it's also, in my opinion, like the role of a lifetime because of how complex he is. Um, And I think if he's played right, like I said, there could be more good that comes out of this than not, because it could be a cautionary tale that we're telling people. It could be like, hey, don't trust men, you know, when you're, you know, or like make this a movie not about victim shaming, right? Because I think, and and something I wanted to say when you brought up uh, the Jerry Lewis thing was like, back then, victim shaming was very prominent. Well, did she talk to him? Well, what did she say? Well, she did write him a letter saying that she had a little crush on him. So, you know, I think people look through it that lens, finding any excuse to sort of excuse the older adult in the the situation. I think if it were to be remade, um, that would have to change completely, like no fault of Lolita of her own, no matter what. Um, And I think that way it might be easier. I, I think if you're going to do be in a situation where like it's almost seen as a couple, yeah, no, that's that's a really difficult position to put yourself in. But if it's a position of like I am playing a very evil man, I think it it makes it a little bit easier because you know that the situation is only being portrayed as evil and not being portrayed as some weird twisted sick love story. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, and I don't. I would never label someone who plays like a creep like this a creep in real life. I think no. genuinely there are great actors. It's like there there's genuinely actors out there where I literally see them and they all they play is nothing but Nazi roles and because they're German and I'm like there go there goes my favorite one there he is <laughs> and he's in every single one you know the one I'm talking about the I one from Inglorious Masters who has literally played a Nazi in every damn movie he's ever Time been in casted bro yeah but like that doesn't I would never think hmm you think he has that similar ideology in real life I'm I would never think that of him so I can't label someone like that for playing something like Lolita I can see someone being so interested in a character and I do think if you hate a character I do think you could play it well because you know the things that you don't like about that character yeah just like how you know the things that you love about a character I think it could be used as a strong advantage in acting you know so I I feel like that is um like it's it's kind of like when people mimic people that they don't like um, or make mock and make fun of like it can be done. So I, I don't I don't have any like qualms about the actors in this role. But I, I am just I would love to hear like what they thought about the script, why they got into it. And, and maybe it could be something of like the importance element of it. Or maybe it's just as simple as thought it was a good role that I could really show off my acting chops in or yeah, simply yeah. just wanting to work with Stanley Kubrick at the time. For sure. Um, so what did you think about how the movie sort of left off Lolita and Humper? What did you think about that ending? Oh, that was an ending I wasn't expecting. 
it was an ending. You know, it's one of those things where this type of movie, I don't know what I want from it because like, yeah. you know, they can go the last thing on Paris route where she awakens and has no fourth scythe and everything and, you know, commits murder or um, defends herself. Or um, there's one where she just runs away and goes no contact with him or anything. I think I, I do really like the ending. I don't know if it's my favorite per se. Like, I don't know if it's what I how I think it should have ended, but I oh, think yeah, it yeah. was good um, because it really showed Lolita herself in that cycle of just going on to the next person, just trying to find something. And the consequences of when a young girl grows up too fast and reality is, is what five years went on. She's probably not even 18 at this point. And I she's, think she's 16, something, something, oh, no, yeah. something like she's, that, like 17. Supposed, yeah. I don't think maybe f- less than five years have passed and, um, she's older. She's, but now she's in a, in a, a, a bad financial predicament. And now she's expecting her first kid and she's married. And, you know, you can only assume that it c- could possibly be with someone who, um, is abusing the relationship again or abuse of power you just don't know and so it's a little bit of a somber ending for her however the one element that i i like is the dominance she has over him in the end yeah even that's though what I was say. in a way her life i'm not going to say her life is ruined her life is hard and her life is difficult yeah and she is still able to carry her head high and act so nonchalant to him. And I love the idea that in that moment, Humpert's, you know, image of, of Venus on, on the half shell has now burned. And this new image of her is is ruined. And she is no longer his. She's with another man and stuff. And I, I do like the fact that there's no, there is, because it's realistic, there's no more indication left for him to go back to her. He doesn't want her back anymore after seeing this whole life and everything because he only wanted her in her purest form. That's sadly what creepers do. It's, 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 uh, I, I guess I could say, I, I, I definitely think it has to do with the penis envy theory where it's like, oh, well, she had sex with someone else. So that means that if she has sex with me again, she'll tell me in my face that it was horrible, horrible, horrible. And I should be shamed and I should be castrated and I should be, it's, it's that, it's that. It's the, the, the wave of narcissism and, and insecurity coming through that, you know, takes over and makes her totally revolting to him again. And I, I like that. I like the fact that she had power and was like, why you think I'm telling my husband about what you and I did? Like you don't tell people what we did. It doesn't matter. And that's where I think at least it ends somewhat in her favor. And, you know, the collapse of his, his fantasies really start, you know, unwinding. And then we get that um, call back to the beginning of the film where we started. And I re- I liked it. I, I, like I said, I don't know if it's the best ending for every character, but no, it's, yeah. it's a strong ending and it's a good ending. I think I, I really liked the power. Like I do, I think they could have given her power in a different way. Of course. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying her pregnant teenage married is like what we all wanted to see, but I think there's a power in the sense of like, so remember like, she does run away from him with Quilty for a while. And we Insane. can only assume that was 
crazy abusive. We can only assume that was exploitive and abusive itself, right? So we don't know what happened there, but she, we know she's endured a lot of abuse at this point, right? And I think my favorite part of that interaction is when he says to her, like, well, who does your husband think I am? And she just goes, my stepfather. As if, like, what else was I supposed to? Like, it's interesting because the truth in that, like, it was supposed to be her final spite to him because her tone was like, yeah, like, Like you you, you were supposed to be my dad. And technically, like, you are my stepfather. Yeah, It wasn't like, oh, well, of course I told him we were. No. Because that was the truth. And I think it was this final spite to him that his little fantasy was never real. And I, I at least liked that that piece of dialogue was in it because I think it just puts a sort of a knife through him. Um, of course, I would have loved a different ending for her. Um, I think the ending, it's realistic, but also like pessimistic, right? I think there are endings that are like realistic, realistic, where I'm like, oh yeah, that's the likely outcome. This ending is a little bit more on the pessimistic side for her, right? Like, yeah, like she got married. I, the only thing I can hope is this guy is around her age, but based on her, you know, her life and the abuse she endured, maybe not, right? Yeah, and the track record and and statistics, you can only hope, and, and that's the thing too, it's never mentioned, and it really wasn't like... People at that time were just marrying just just so that way they didn't become old and their their eggs didn't die when they turned twenty two or some shit like that. I'm um, sure it was more of an escape though for her, right? Yeah. Like just to, now, I will say, I think in the newer film, the guy is around her age. I believe so. I believe they say something that like he is a good man. He's around her age. I don't know if that's just a little thing they put in there, um, but again. I'm, I I think it's safe to assume, unfortunately, like she maybe got married to escape what was happening to her, or just escape her life in general, yeah. which is sad. Um, but again, I, I do like that final knife, the dagger through the heart that she was able to put. And I think her, I guess, just, I, I don't know the word I'm looking for, like nonchalantness, her, what what's the word when you don't care? What's the word I'm thinking? I like to use the word blase, where it's like, blase, yeah. Um, just like the opposite of like, just, she does not really give him the time of the day. She, he has no power. He, she literally was just like, are you, you know, I called you here cause I need money. And it, yeah, I, I think if we look a little deeper into it, she really wasn't like super afraid to, to just be like, Hey, I need money. She was not like, she was just like, yeah, I, I contacted you and she could have contacted him up to any point too. Right. Yeah. She contacted specifically because she needed something. Um, And I think it does show that she wasn't afraid of him. I don't know if she was ever afraid of him or, you know, but yeah, I I like that piece of like, yeah, I contacted you because I needed money. Well, and I think she wasn't afraid of him because she saw him as weak when she got with Quilty. Like that's that's ultimately like, I, I think that that's what happened. And I think also what also hammers in the coffin on Humpert's narcissism is the fact that he sees his, and I'm, I'm going to say it this way, because it, it is half this way, half another way, his former lover, pregnant, in a bad environment, in a bad home, and his first thought is to just hand her some money that she was due and leave. He never considers... Maybe I should take her away. 
maybe I should, maybe I should step in because he never loved her. He never loved her for who she was. It's so interesting though, because it's not like that in the next movie. Really? He's crying. He's like, run away with me. And she's like, no, I'm good. Yeah. We're in this one. And I will say if, it is more realistic for him to... Yeah, I think that's what I was going to say too. Cut off the fact, connections yeah. and be like, ugh. Because that's what usually happens is when these you know victims are in environments where if they have the opportunity to sexually explore some you know stuff with another person, the image that has been created around them is shattered for the abuser. Um, and But what's wild is she's still a kid. Yeah. Like she's not in, like, it's not like he's seeing her 30 years late. Like she is still like 17 years old at this point, right? Mm-hmm. She's a kid. And the fact that, like, I, I guess that two, three year difference made it all to him is so beyond disgusting and disturbing yeah. to me. Is that, like, we're still looking, when, when we see her, we're still looking at, like, a girl, which is wild. Um, so, I, again, I really think that, like, if this were to be redone again, it could be so much better. It could be seen as a cautionary tale. Um, it could be used for good, and it it, it could be f- shot in a way that's not exploitive. I'm not saying it's going to be hard, but I feel like things, f- films like these are important and could be rebuffed. Um, to tell a more bigger and important story. And I think yeah. the bones here are good. I think the Humpert character is such an important character to display in film because he is really evil. This is like top 10 most evil characters ever because he's yeah. just unapologetic. Yeah, he has moments where he's like, what am I doing? But that bounces back so quick. He doesn't oh, yeah. care after a while. He's just like, you know what? It's fine. And if they were to just up that, if they were to just do a little bit more of the book and just share that this is an evil person, it could really do a lot. And then like not victim shame Lolita, of course, and short, sort of show her as the kid that she was. I really think this is like a really important story to tell. It's a lot of people's story if you think about it too. I agree. And I think um, this movie has enough drama without Lolita that it still makes it interesting like I do think like besides the moral of the story I do think it's a well done drama I think it's sadly realistic but it's really well done in terms of the engagement of it like I I'm not the type of person who enjoys like I'm not gonna say that I don't enjoy long movies I have reservations when it comes to long movies because I feel like sometimes they just add in too much detail. Oh, I agree. I, yeah. I feel like this movie had just enough detail to – because I think if it was all Lolita, all Lolita all the time in the picture, it would have been really uncomfortable and I think it would have just been worse. The fact that we had almost an hour without Lolita and just seeing this obsession grow on him and like what he can do and stuff really made it for an interesting perspective and wondering, okay, like what's going to happen next and stuff. I also think everyone in this film acted the hell out of their roles, including Sue Lyon, who I was so immensely impressed with her mannerisms and portraying not only the I'm going to be an adult for a day type of vibe, but also her revealing moments of like childness. And, and I think she conveyed that so well, of course, 
being at the time in real life, 14 years old, it's going to happen. It's going to come natural to her. Now, I do think if this is going to be remade, I'm a firm believer that the person needs to be of age and an adult, and you do not need to have nudity to convey the message of this film. I think it needs to, like... Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think Stanley Kubrick handled it really well with this actress in terms of the way it looks. I can't say, obviously, I wasn't there behind the scenes, but it looks like it was handled very well. I would not trust any director today to be able to handle a a child actor on set to be in such a role like this i do think also there is a risk it's kind of like the film come and see where you had a child actor playing an immense role one of the best acted roles of all time but i cannot imagine you know the sheer luck that people in this role don't have like and i think it's just pure luck and pure coincidence that they don't have immense trauma from being in films like this i don't think it's just handled with care, I think there's a sense of luck. I think you could be handled with care during a movie like this, but you could end up with some type of issue just from the matter of what you are portraying. I couldn't agree with you more. I think this has got to be like a Red Rocket situation, right? Where the girl is about, I think, older. Like I'm hoping- She was like in her 20s when she filmed that and she looked 13. And it was like, I at least had a little bit of comfort in the back of my mind that the actress on screen was of age, but it was still like it- Uncomfy. comfy. Yeah. Yeah. Red Rocket. Red. I, I honestly, I think someone like Sean Baker could do Lolita very well because we've seen him work with child actors already and he seems to have a good grasp of it. Not to say that he needs to work with another child actor for this role, but I think he could handle the nature of this role extremely well. And I think he is someone who, based on a movie like Red Rocket, could get the message of this movie right. And I think... You made a good point. I don't think this the the remake, whatever, if a reboot remake ever is made, there does not need to be any graphic nudity anywhere. Even if they're talking about previous things in Humper's life, this movie, I think the, the one thing we can learn from Kubrick is subtlety is king. I think yeah. we were able to get all the intimacy. We will get all these, the, we were able to, picture what was going on in his mind without any graphicness we were able to through through like the the painting scene and everything like that there's ways you can do it without being grotesque about it i guess and i would hope the next person would take that example too because there's a lot of ways to make a movie like this without exploiting even if the actress is an adult which i i'm hopefully lobbying for like i i want the actress to be at least 18 19 years old there doesn't need to be anything that's going on right even if the actress is an adult there doesn't need to be graphic scenes there doesn't need to be anything of that nature because that's what makes the film exploitive that is what makes the film exploitive right there yeah. Does it matter what kind of message you're trying to bring? The, the minute you bring graphic sexual scenes into a movie that's talking about sexual exploitation, that's the exploitation itself, in my opinion. Yeah, and I had just looked it up just to see, because um, I do remember in Red Rocket, there was one of those intimate type scenes where it was, um, 
I think, what was her name? I think it was like, her name was strawberry. Strawberry. Yes. Um, strawberry in the film where she is topless and she is playing at the piano. Um, I, I looked up her age, even if this movie was filmed like two years before it came out, she would have been in her mid twenties. So it's which I'm glad to hear. Yeah, that was you know. I feel like in your mid twenties, like you're a little bit more able to make decisions like that in terms of like, um, and and not to say that you will have regrets about it later on, but it's it's definitely a little bit more. You have a little bit more reflecting to do and things like that, and I feel like hiring someone of that age to play a young role who look. That girl looked young. That girl looked young. And I remember being in the theater and I was like, Sean, Sean, did you hire a kid? Sean. (laughs) Like looking at my phone and things like that. And I No, you were gonna leave. Like you were like, hey, if she's like not of age, we're gonna leave right now. And I was like, No, and I you know, we we love Sean Baker's work, but there there's a line. There is a line, you know? And especially you and I, who have once lived as young girls, we could we could put in our um, in someone else's shoes, the ramifications of being in something like that could and totally have. I think of, um, what is it, Brooke Shields in the beach. Oh. Which she was young. Did you see her documentary? I saw a little bit, like little, like, um, like excerpts from it and stuff but she was in that movie and and I think that that was a, a fully exploitive film of, of two teenagers. I saw the documentary. Oh. It's fantastic. I recommend it. It's all about how she was exploited. Yeah. And she, before the Blue Lagoon, she was in a movie and she played a little kid prostitute. Wow. And then when she was like 10, she posed for Playboy. That's and there insane. are pictures of her 10 years old. Like, so I, you know, it, it's, this is why I'm saying it's important because this is a lot of people's stories. Lolita is a lot of people's stories in a lot of different ways. And if it's done right, I think it could be an important narrative. Um, and I think as women, like think about me and you stuff We're we're in, a, we're in our mid twenties now. Yeah. Think about how different we were at 18, right? Then think about how different you are at like 15, like, which is more than, well, this is about 10 years for us now, but like how much of a different person, how naive we were, even if we were smart, like how, you know, when I was 13, 12, I was still playing with toys. Yeah. And when we think about that, right. So the fact that like, I'm always surprised to see people talk about this movie like Lolita had any like autonomy yeah because I just remember how like being 13 or 14 and still playing with my little knickknacks and like not having sorry um not having like a a Sorry, Paula walked in. I got distracted. <laughs> it's okay. I was waiting. I was like, is that Paula walking in or is it a burglary? No, I, I got scared. But um, <laughs> okay, back to what I was saying. Just not having a real adult idea in my mind, even at being a young teenager and stuff, just kind of worrying about like school and my friends and my little okay. shows I was going to watch. And I just, the, when, when people try to have conversations like this is like an adult, I'm like, dude, like, we're, have you ever been a teenager? Have you ever been a teenage girl? Oh yeah. And that's crazy. I think because I, I felt like due to health issues, I had, um, I felt similarly to someone like Lolita, not because of my environment, but because of health issues that forced me to grow up. Like I, 
um, backstory. I had a tumor at 13 and you really grow the hell up when you have a health condition like that. And so I, I, you know, can relate to that. And it's funny because a, a lot of the stuff that I liked when I was 13, 14, 15, I would say is more mature stuff. Like that was when I started doing, like I was watching nothing but Italian films. And, yeah. stuff. and I, of course, like I still, I liked Avengers. I liked all that stuff, but that was when my film Renaissance like kind of started for me and everything. But even though interest wise, I'm very similar socially, totally different ball field. And like, not just like how I interact with my friends, but th- thoughts that I have in certain situations. Like I wouldn't, you know, if I was going into like a car or if I was driving a car when I was 16, you know, there were a lot of things that I didn't do then that I do now, like double checking if there's someone in the car and stuff. Cause you hear more horror stories and stuff as you grow up and stuff. But even like situationally, like I said, I was in that situation where I was, young and I was talking to, you know, older people. I do like, I know joke what I, and it was encouraged. It was encouraged that when I was at like a church Halloween party, once I was 13 and an 18 year old was flirting with me and asking me out and knew I was 13 in front of people. Mm, and it, it was something that I didn't realize was so, beyond because you know at the time people were like well four years of age and you know and no one was forcing me to talk to this guy unfortunately I didn't go out on a date you know something told me not to thank god I didn't because I think I would have gotten in like to a boat world a a, a boatload of trouble um but it's crazy because I think of that and like I think about my near misses I don't I'm very fortunate to say that I have many near misses as well instead of like many lessons Yeah, yeah yeah so um and and like I said that is because of health issues, I was like, nope, uh, I got to grow up now. I got to learn how to deal with this stuff. And I, I, I felt like a Lolita at one point. Maybe I wasn't, you know, the vixen outside wearing sunglasses in my little swimsuit or anything like that, which is fine. Like someone of age can do whatever they want, you know, like it's, it's the adults we need to trust to not sexualize something like that, you know, and and to uh, look away, like, dang like you don't have to stare and be a creep about it especially with mr hump and uh, mr hump ah, well um in the beginning but um yeah like it's i i feel like that the movie does such a great job uh, conveying these these lessons and sadly not near misses um that, like I said, I can relate to and, you know, showing the environment of how a a system like this is enabled. And, you know, I've seen it before too, people growing up and like, I've, I've known people who dated much older guys when they were in high school. And because they kind of grew up in environments where they were open to that so early on, you know, like if you're 25 and you want to date an 80 year old, live your truth, queen, (laughs) live your truth. I'll question you about it, but live your truth because I think you are a little bit older to make a, that type of a decision. But if you are 14 and you're like, Hey, there's this cool college boy talking to me, I'm going to be like, you know what it is? It's when you get to that age and you realize like, why would I ever talk to someone that young? That's when you really start to understand the the ramification and and how gross it was. Like every age I get older, I think about all the older guys who I've talked to and things like that. 
and, you know, yeah, even just conversation wise, or even like, you know, who wanted to start a conversation and things like that. And it's like, Oh, how, how, ugh. like if, if, I'm, if, if, if a 13 year old boy came up to me and started talking to me, I'm screaming in his face and I'm telling him to get out. Like, it's, <laughs> it, it's just uncomfortable, um, you know? No. And I think like, like Lolita, there are a lot of young girls and young kids that don't know that they're playing with fire. They don't yeah. really understand because to them, it's just like kid stuff, right? You, you don't, you're not thinking this is, you know, now we have different precautions and stuff, but you're not thinking this is a dangerous situation. Um, there's a new movie that I saw recently that's called May December on Netflix with um, Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. And it's based off the Mary Letourneau case. The, the teacher that um, abused her, I think, 11-year-old student or something like that. And it sort of dived deep into that sort of uh, situation, too, about like how – because th- that movie took place, I think, 30 years after the abuse and they were still together. And it's just a crazy story. But I think – all that to say is there are a lot of movies talking about abusive relationships and power dynamics between ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad to see that sort of popping up in cinema because yeah. it's important stories these are, this is not, this is an issue that we really haven't taken seriously until recently, I'd say past 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because of the, the victim shaming and ultimately the victim silencing at some point where it's like, no, you wore a bikini. This, this is what you were sentenced for, young lady. And it's like, no, like, I think, like, just because someone is wearing something, like, I, I think over the years, too many excuses have been made to put blame on the women and the young people, and not even always women, even young men, and, 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 and you know, everyone in between at the time, um, who is in the situation, too much blame is put on them when at the end of the day, like, why are you getting mad at a child for doing childish things? Why are you not getting mad at the adult for breaking the law like i don't know why like there's this thing where it's like oh but she was asking for it well you were asking for a pony at that age so well your point is what like your point is stupid like oh she was asking for it she was consenting she was this like it's a kid you don't know what's going on if you were a 13 year old boy and jessica alba willingly walked into your room it, it would be your fantasy right but that doesn't make it right that doesn't That's make what it. May December is about, right? Just so you know, it's Re- about a, a, an older woman and a little boy. I recommend the movie; it's fantastic because it takes place thirty years after. So the 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 woman is now in her sixties, and he's in their thirties, and they're together. It's based off the Mary Le- Mary Letourneau That's case. That's crazy. Great movie. Talked about power abuse dynamics. Awesome. Watch the movie. Okay. Maybe we'll talk about it on here. But again, I think if this movie was done right it could push the narrative in the right direction. And I'm hoping that one day somebody will be brave enough to do that because the bones are good. The characters are really complex and interesting. And I kind of want to see it perfected. Yeah. Um, I do think now going back to criticizing the movie overall, I think this movie is incredible. I think it's really well done for a two and a half hour movie from the 1960s. It is extremely well paced and well done i think the biggest qualm that i have with this movie is i remember looking at zach and after i said i was like you know 
if he really wanted to get into this family and, and be a creep, he would marry the wife. And then all of a sudden she goes like, we just came back from our honeymoon. And I'm like, where did the time jump go? What happened? I thought, like, I was so confused. I think, I, I don't know, maybe because I was eating while I was watching that scene that I might have missed, a, a, like, a, a second. But I felt like it was a little bit choppy um, with the time jump in the film and going, like, okay, Lolita's away. How did you now develop a relationship with her mother and now you're married to her? No, I definitely think this film... Like I said, I think the movie could use more context with Humper in his in his past life before he came to America. I think we can talk about the development of that relationship a little bit more. And I'd really like to see more development of Lolita's character. Just just a little bit more. I understand the movie and the t- like whatever. I, I do think they're going to need to do like a, a limited series. But I understand it's from Humper's point of view and that's totally fine. But I do, I really would like to see more development in her character um, and maybe even see what happened to her in between that time after she left Quilty and met her new husband. Just like some, some, insert some details. I think that would be really cool to see. I think a standalone scene of her being alone somewhere in a place where she shouldn't be alone would have been a really, a, a good point in terms of conveying the dangerousness of not only being with these type of men, but the aftermath, you know, because yeah. oftentimes a lot of these women get stuck in in places that they shouldn't be in, in, um, you know, areas that are extremely dangerous and just not safe for them to be in. So I think something like that would have been really, really good and, and would have added a little bit more context to like the hardship she could possibly go through after the fallout of all of this. For sure. Um, but I, I think this is the better movie of the two. I like the, I think Kubrick did a really good job with handling this. So, um, I hope more people give it a chance and I hope more people see the potential in it and see, you know, it's already a great movie, but I think, like I said, I'd really like to see more of it. So give it a chance, guys. I know it's a crazy and a weird and it's a good drama. Movie. It's a very well done drama. I would say it's genuinely one of the best dramas for its time um, because of how well it goes through everything and the character development. Like it definitely, in terms of drama, like I hail like Lolita now as like a, in line with like movies like Double Indemnity and, and, and those type of films. Cause I, I do think, although it has a little bit of a creepiness to it because of the nature of the film, um, I do think it's a well, extremely well done, well paced drama. Uh, couldn't agree more. Now, um, in terms of, so this film is not in the Criterion Collection. I think it should be. Um, oh. Because I do think, in terms of Kubrick, and I know this is going to be controversial. I do think this is probably one of his more significant pieces, not to the world of like cinema, but to just literature and adaptation. Um, I think it's also such an outlier for a type of film that you would expect for him to make, you know, especially during his renaissance of sci-fi and futurism and things like that. Oh yeah. This was left field for him. Yeah. At the time. But it just shows to, um, it goes to show how 
complex of like he can handle a lot of complexity as a director and i i find that so incredibly impressive i thought that personally this was probably going to be his weakest um from his and i can't say it's his strongest when you have something like 2001 a space odyssey um but i do think it's a strong film regardless of who, who you know his filmography and everything Oh, this is in his top five. You can't tell me otherwise. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think so. I haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut. Um, so I, can't. I I haven't either. I don't know how. I don't know. I, I, I know I should, but like, I don't know. It seems like another weird. Like, but in terms of like film, that space made, it out, I, guess. I think it, it's, it's just so well executed. I feel like many people might overlook this as a Kubrick film to watch, but I, I think it should be watched. Uh, even if you're not into like i think it's just overall well done like even zach when i told him this he was like i don't know about this i'll give it a shot but i'll let you know how i feel about it and you know he was like this is like crazy like he was like I, this is interesting it's creepy but i it's 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 well done so yeah. um i think if it wasn't the criterion i would happily own it i would happily own it and i'm surprised by when I consider the rewatchability of this, it has a, a really good rewatchability factor in my mind because it's it's not too graphic to the point where it's hard to watch. And it's I think that's impressive for the nature of the film. I agree. I think if the Criterion made an, uh, a film about, I mean, made a version of the film, whatever, I would 100% buy it. Um I think the re- there is a high rewatchability. Now, is this a movie I'm going to throw on every weekend? Not that movie high. Night. But, and it's not, I recognize it's not something you can just throw on to, with your friends and your family. I know there's a lot of prepping involved in this, but I do see myself coming back to this like at least once a year. This just is a to film show people that to talk about it. Such a, in its way, it literally is a guilty pleasure. It is yes. in every way, shape, or form a guilty pleasure because it's a really well done film that is just hard to watch, but you kind of want to watch it to see how it plays it's out. It's kind of like how you have to sort of explain, like, I like, <laughs> I oh, I want to rewatch Lolita. Why? And then you have to go into your whole your whole dissertation. Like like I imagine when you say, oh, I, you know what I feel like watching today, lasting on Paris, and new people are like, well, why? You have to go into your whole dissertation. You have to go into your whole I analysis. I felt so bad because the why? director of um, Call Me by Your Name in the Sight and Sound magazine listed Last Tango in Paris as one of his favorite films of all time, and people are like, cool, so you're a pedophile cool so you're a rapist and it's like yeah. no why yeah, i'm telling you, you that i think that's the most tiring thing of liking these movies is because you have to sort of like have a whole defense case on like no not in a weird way in a cool artistic you see the value way like you have to do this whole thing and it's tiring it can be tiring to oh. defend these movies so i understand that is why i don't particularly already own this movie because i don't want people to see it on my shelf um, obviously, Criterion, that's a little bit more easy to, to, to talk about. No, like, I ain't proud. Like, I got Last Tango in Paris posters in my room. Do not be afraid <laughs> to show it off. <laughs> um, but no, oh, like, God. I get it. And look, this is, I think Last Tango in Paris, because of the graphic nature of it, is harder to watch than Lolita. And obviously, like, that's why I can't just go, you know what? You, for a little quirky film, you should watch Last Tango in Paris. 
not going to happen. That like last hang on Paris is something I'll happily tell to a stranger that they've never heard of before, but to a film bro, I'm tight lipping it. You'll never hear me say last yeah, hang on Paris yeah, yeah. because I have no way to know which way it's going to go. But yeah, I, I feel yeah. like sometimes uh, I, I tend to like the controversial films. Cause I, I feel like, um, I don't know. Like I, there's something alluring about mm-hmm. it. There's something where it's like, I feel like controversial films tend to be really thought out well and to a point where they get so realistic that it makes people uncomfortable. Like I think Last Tango in Paris and people might not like this. I do think it's a realistic film. Um, no, I think it's, I think like that could happen. And I do think Lolita is a realistic film. And I think that's why people will are really quickly to write off those films. Well, and also I know Last Hang on Paris has a bunch of other controversies behind it in terms of the director and, you know, the, 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 the relationship that this director had with his actors and actresses and everything and how he was just kind of a shitty person. Um, but I think in terms of controversial films, like even when I think of controversy, I think of, um, uh, sometimes like you have, like you think of like horror movies that have gone way too far. That's an element of realism um, as well as, um movies like Lars von Trier films that go too far sometimes physically or sometimes too mentally um and I I tend to like those because I feel like that they are unapologetically themselves and it's just like this is the reality of the world you know like it not all the time obviously some of them are unrealistic as hell but um I, I don't know like I just have a fascination with controversy films that I tend to like really gravitate towards them and i really gravitate towards lolita i think it's a really good movie which is why bestie you'll be happy to hear that i i i am unlike you and your cruel rating for the thing oh my god not this again i am giving lolita a 10 out of 10 (gasps) me too of course, you have to. You <laughs> legally have to. But I'm giving Lolita a 10 out of 10 because, um, and specifically this version, I can't say for the next version, um, but I, I think it's really good after what I, I, this was the first time in a while where we were about to record late and stuff. And I was like, give me 45 more minutes. I'm almost done. I want to talk about this. Like, cause it, it was really good. I really wanted to know how it ended. Yeah. I wanted to see it and finish it. And yeah. I don't get captivated like that too often with films anymore. So this was an awesome surprise, but I, I totally, I totally get where your little fascination with this film comes from. And it's not far off from my, my little fascination as well. Well, I'm glad that we're on the same page. I'm happy we can finally talk about this. Um, 10 out of 10 for me as well. You know how I feel. You guys all know how I feel. Um, <laughs> now, we have some really cool movies coming up and one of them is actually like pretty controversial, I'd say. Oh yeah. Um, we have in terms of movies coming up. So on the list, because we are approaching our 100 special, um, we have a 2023 recap coming up, but we also have um, a film called mirror coming up, which I'm sure all of you criteria nerds are, are squirming right now because I know Mirror, it's a film that Savannah and I have not seen, but we know that it is pretty big in terms of the, it, it got like a lot of hype in TikTok and things like that in recent yeah, years yeah. Um, as well. So we'll be seeing Mirror, we have Charlotta, 
And um, oh, we have one of my favorite steamy ones. We have blue velvet on the list, which is controversial, if you ask me. Oh, you know, like I said, I love a good controversial film. I love when I could just look at a character and go, "You're bad. You're a bad." We person. might need to rewatch that one together because we rewatched it. We rewatched it for the first time. For my first time was together. We need to rewatch it again together. Yes, Tribute tradition. And listen, for those of you who are like, "Oh, well, Stephanie, we know you like Blue Velvet, but how much do you like Blue Velvet?" I met Kyle MacLachlan last year, dressed up as Dorothy Valance. Don't even mess with me in this movie, okay? Sit down. Don't even say anything about this movie because I got it from here. So you already know I can't. Like, I'm going to have to get this movie. You give it 10. below a nine out of ten. We're going to talk. We're going to have a yeah. purple noon meeting, and I'm going to have to call in a witness. Apart on the thing. I already got ripped apart. I'm going to have to call in a witness. No, Savannah, you are your own person, and you can have your <laughs> own opinion and thoughts. <laughs> like, it's fine. <laughs> But sure. we're going to have a talk. We'll have words. We'll have words. But yeah. look, look, as long as you don't hit me with something like left field, like if you don't go like, I give this a six out of ten. When we never give things a six out of ten, <laughs> like I like you'll be fine. Like you'll you'll <laughs> you'll have a good night. You'll have a decent it's night. Fine. Sure, sure. But sure. we have movies like that. We also have um <laughs> It's one movie that keeps coming up on the list. I think it's so funny because it feels so out of left field. Cool Hand Luke is going to come up. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but you know what? We we didn't didn't ever talk about Paul Newman. So I was like, let's throw in a Paul Newman film. And I never saw that one. So I was like, okay, let's throw that in. Cool Hand Luke. All right. But we got some other fun things coming up. And, um, you know, 2024, as of right now, I don't think we have any plans on new films coming out to watch the one thing that i did mention to savannah is that i would love if we are able to get to it i would love to talk about godzilla um the newest godzilla movie i believe is called minus one um Mm -hmm. because i've heard so much good things about it and it it really I, i i like the indie elements of it so hopefully we'll get to that at some point if we're able to watch it in theaters soon um but we we do have some fun stuff coming up so please stick around as we go through and as we approach our 100th episode um and just once again thank you guys so much for supporting us and everything shout out to our patreon members we have homeboy james danny boy sensei david and manny thank you guys so so much for your support if you would like a shout out in every single episode be sure to check out the patreon link below and the next time you hear from us we're going to be doing our 2023 movie recap and just talking about what we've seen what we liked what we didn't like and all that fun stuff so we will see you guys in the next episode thanks for listening bye Woo! <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.